What's up, everybody? Matt DeMarinas here, White and Blue Review. Coming back at you with another uh, Blue Jay Beat postgame podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about a loss this time. Uh, Creighton fell 70-66 in overtime at the dump known as Hinkle Fieldhouse. And uh, joining me tonight to dissect that one is Alex Sindelar. I think I have to ask to unmute him now. Oh, whoops. No, we're good. Has been um, mutiny in the first place. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll just ask him questions and uh, not not get any answers back. Yeah, Alex Sindelar from. Are you at Mid Major Madness now? What are you writing for? For the purposes of uh, for the purposes of sports talk. Yeah, let's just say Mid Major Madness. That's fine. Okay, just a lone ranger, basically. Yeah, just uh, traversing the internet scape. Yeah, yeah. internet personality. Internet personality, Alex Sindelar. He doesn't. He's not tied down to any one outlet. And then everybody should recognize that voice. That's Jacob Badillo from Hale Varsity. He's got a big smile on his face because the Packers won. Um, They finally didn't choke away a playoff game, home playoff home game for once in his life. Uh, Mike Pettin tried. Yeah. So hope is still alive for him. Um, Who you guys got next week? Who's who you gonna play? Uh, winner of Brady and Breeze. Oh yeah, God, you got a weak ass NFC That's this year, tomorrow. don't you? Yeah, pretty much. That's, what like? Uh, what's I'm your ex- what's your excuse if the Packers don't make the Super Bowl this year? Like, that's not a field to hard to get through, right? Uh, well, it probably would be the defensive coordinator slash special okay. teams coordinator, depending on how those go. And it's uh, at it's at Lambeau too, right? Correct. Oh, so. Jacob. Oh no. <laughs> Hey, we've ne- this has never happened. He's never like, Lambo's never hosted a uh, um, NFC Championship game during the Rogers era. So that's what I'm saying. I'm saying you have no excuses this time. There's no. He was hurt. The team sucks. They were on the road. Like you better get the job done. Well, I, it'll probably be the same excuse that, as it always is. Is Rogers defense gives up 40 points and he scores like 38 or whatever and doesn't get the ball in overtime. Fair enough. So, Fair enough. Anyway, let's let's keep the. The vibe's positive now until it happens, and then we can talk about that if need be. But I thought, wait, I thought that's what we're supposed to do. The Packers are your positive vibe now. You didn't want to talk about Creighton. Yeah, except now you're talking about blowing it and all that. Kind oh, of stuff. I see what I see what you're saying. Okay, got you. My bad. Um. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> on to the back part of blowing the it. Day. <laughs> yeah. Let's segue back into what, was what the, this was supposed to be about. What was the What was the biggest lead today? Thirteen. Was it fifty-one thirty-eight? Was that as big as it got? Maybe in the second half. Um, yeah. So just another another double-digit lead falls by the wayside. Uh, and this time, they didn't make enough plays down the stretch to close it out. Um. I don't know. I actually. On the rewatch, I, I felt this way on the first watch, but definitely on the rewatch, I actually kind of like Aaron Thompson. Like, I don't know why it took me this long to appreciate his game, but the more I like zoom zoomed in on kind of like how, his impact on today's game, I was like, wow, that's actually someone I should have appreciated more. I don't know what you. Well, so I guess what like Jacob, you want to go first? Like, what's your takeaways from today? That's I mean, Aaron Thompson's one of mine. So yeah, just hitting on that. I, I mean. Aaron Thompson gave you plenty of reasons not to like him when he's played against Creighton in the past. Like he's, he has struggled mightily offensively throughout his career. He's now a senior. He's kind of stepped his game up a little bit and he was really good in that game. Creighton also let him be really good um, in certain stretches there. And um, it was rather unfortunate, but um, yeah, it's just, 
I guess takeaway is just kind of the this game was they didn't really get all the the they didn't get bench contributions they didn't get multiple guys going it was all you look at when they took control it was all Denzel and he got hot for a stretch down the stretch he cooled off a little bit and they didn't really have another option with Marcus on the bench so um, we are kind of seeing a little bit of the the limitations here Um, DJ wasn't able to um, kind of step up down the stretch obviously he made the play got fouled three times but they finally called one and missed the free throws. So mm-hmm. they just didn't really have any good late game options after they gave up that lead um, and couldn't, couldn't really turn the ship around after Butler got on that run. So kind of a disappointing effort overall. Alex, what did you take away? Well, you guys do have to remember that Aaron Thompson's freshman year, Kyrie Thomas did steal his soul. <laughs> At what was then the CenturyLink Center. So there was some trauma in by dunking on him. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. so he's been going along his life without a soul, which I mean might be kind of difficult. <laughs> and maybe he's yeah. he's like adapting to it a little bit more. Um, I can saw that, but I mean, I saw that as... new movie on Disney Plus though. It was, you can do it. Souls can get around without you. They can. They can live. I, I did. I, I I haven't seen Soul yet. I did just watch Inside Out for the first time. But I fell asleep about halfway through the movie, so yeah. <laughs> Soul's pretty good. Uh, but as little, far as takeaways, it's a little, little overhead. Yeah. Pretty good movie. Okay, I, I mean, I'll I'll check it out eventually. I mean, it's about like what five years ago, and I just saw it for the first time. So, hmm. um, well, saw half line. of it at least. Yeah, and uh, but to back to the topic at hand, uh, takeaways. I think the I mean, foul trouble definitely hurt him in the first half, uh, especially DJ, you know, taking him out of the equation. I think that was, that was pretty detrimental. And then uh, Ryan getting into foul trouble as well. Um, the officiating was very detrimental to the game, uh, but I don't want to talk about that too much right now. I'm assuming that we're going to get into that we'll the further along we go into the podcast. Yeah. Um, but it, it was, it was just really interesting because against St. John's, especially you didn't really miss Marcus all that much because Sharif was able to run the show based on St. John's pace because the game was a little bit more chaotic when they were playing St. John's and you get to Butler and, you know, they like to slow it down. They like to set up in the half court. They kind of, they do all those things. They, they take as much time off the shot clock as possible. So, um, so definitely missed Marcus. Uh, hopefully he comes back soon. That would be really nice, but uh, that first half, just you know, without your your kind of your star players and the guys that kind of get going, when you lose that, it's it's kind of hard to to punch back at least in in that first twenty minutes of basketball. And then the second half, uh, you know, uh, you saw why Denzel is good, and you saw why Mac hyped him up, and he can score in in huge huge uh, stretches, um, but he just couldn't get it done. Uh, when it mattered most. So that was kind of my takeaway is, is you can't really have to be able to rely on one player for Creighton to win these kind of grinded out tough games. Yeah. I think there's like a few different factors that just on that, that would maybe highlight the first half performance. One was controllable and one was maybe out of their control because they didn't have Marcus. Um, the one that was out of their control was the spacing was way different today. I mean, 
they were like <laughs> playing hard off Sharif in those gaps, and that closed up a lot of driving lanes uh, for DJ, for Christian in that high ball screen. Um, you know, Denzel had a tough time getting to the rim. Uh, it just like it just clogged everything up. I think I think Ryan Kalkbrenner had a couple post ups that drew a crowd because it was on Sharif's side of the ball uh, or side of the floor. And uh, yeah, you could definitely, that's, that's not the way Butler defends Marcus Zagorowski or anybody defends Marcus Zagorowski. So you could see right there, that was something that, I mean, I don't know if St. John's is necessarily undisciplined defensively, but they're definitely, they take risks, right? They're, they're good at what they do. They play that style too. Um, It works for them sometimes, but, I think Sharif was able to thrive in a game like that because he he just can handle that type of chaos. You know what I mean? That he's that type of player. He's very innovative. Um, he can play fast, and he likes to answer that type of challenge when you're like in his face. That that only hypes him up a little bit more. So I think he was comfortable. I don't think he was ever uncomfortable against St. John's, despite the fact that they try to make you uncomfortable with their style. But with Butler making it a quarter court game and not letting Creighton get out and run and transition. The part of it that was controllable on Creighton's part on end of that was, and I don't know what live stats was doing, but they had like three offensive rebounds for Butler in the first half. I had Butler down for like six or seven. So I don't know what they're counting as like, if you have to grab it with two hands and literally go up with it, but I count those like loose ball fouls that give Butler an extra possession. I count those as like offensive boards because it's a second chance opportunity. So I don't know what was going on with the live stats, but I had them down. I had Butler down for twice as many uh, second chance opportunities as they were credited for. And I think that was a big reason why Creighton wasn't able to get something easy in transition to help them settle into a rhythm offensively, because that's kind of where their bread is buttered is in transition. Yeah. They play with pace offensively in the, in the quarter court. Um, Yeah. They move it really well and they can generate good shots. But if that's the only thing they're getting in a game, you're kind of making them uncomfortable because they want to get out and run. They want to create some two-on-one, some three-on-twos, uh, get you down in the quarter court when your defense isn't set and when you're having trouble matching up and, you know, create offense off that secondary break. Um, that that was – I mean, I don't even know if they had many of those possessions in the first half at all, and I think a lot of that was due to due to the fact that they didn't really – clean up the defensive glass as much as they probably should in a game that's going to be either 75 to 80 possessions if they can control it or 60 possessions if Butler can control it. Like there's a vast like gap there in terms of like if, if one team dictates their tempo, the game changes dramatically. And that first half was all Butler from a tempo standpoint. I mean, Creighton didn't even crack 30 possessions in the first half. So if you're not going to do that, you better be damn – accurate with your shot making because you're not getting many chances to score yeah and, and that was uh, we said we'd get to the fishing later i i think i thought a lot of that was uh you're right controlling the tempo is the the amount of bodies they sent after the offensive glass but how many times were butler guys running over creating guys back or slapping arms and how many of those where creating wasn't able to secure it um went out of bounds off their hands were guys kind of running into their backs and all that they were just so physical on the offensive glass. And there was one foul call, I believe, on them through the whole first half. And Creighton got called for three, I think, fouls in box-out situations. Um, so that, that was kind of where 
the frustration started for me just watching this game, like with the officiating is the amount of physicality that was allowed for Butler, particularly on that offensive glass um, and how a lot of those weren't getting called. And then Creighton got called for a few trying to make plays their own, be physical themselves on the defensive glass. And suddenly it's a foul call and they're going the other way. So that was, that was a huge part of it. You're absolutely right. Kind of the controlling the, the pace and the offensive rebounding was a big part of that. And the other, that, that was a huge part of it. And then I think the turnovers, that was the difference as well, because in the first half, the difference, were, n- neither side was playing well offensively, shooting the ball. Kind of you look at the offensive numbers, they were pretty even. The difference was Butler got more shots up because it was six to one in turnovers. And that it ended up being what, 13 to seven or something like that. Yeah, 13 to seven turnovers. And Butler scored 13 points off those 13 turnovers. Creighton got five off of Butler's seven turnovers. So Creighton wasn't playing well enough offensively to survive giving up that many extra possessions to Butler, whether it's the offensive rebounding or the turnovers. And I think that the turnovers is where you miss a guy like Marcus kind of settle things down. Suddenly guys feel like they got to try to do more. Um, I know Antoine Jones had kind of a, a, tough turnover where he's trying to split two guys on a pass that got picked off and taken the other way. And just like, I don't know if guys felt that extra pressure, like uh, I got to go make a play here, but um, some of those turnovers were just, were kind of tough to see. And then obviously I'd, like the offensive foul on uh, Christian that set him down right away. That's kind of a tough call, um, those kind of situations. So all of that uh, amounted to, even though Creighton, um, what I mean, they didn't, the offensive efficiency wasn't dramatically different. It's just the, the, the difference in possessions ended up being the difference. Before Alex chimes in here, I did see a like little debate that was starting on the underground over would you oh, take no. would you take <laughs> would you take Marcus Zagorowski returning for his senior year or Hunter Salas committing? Like uh, yes. you can have either or. I think it was Gitmo who started it. That is an absolutely insane uh, either or. You're taking Marcus Zagorowski. Like, stop it. Like, I think if you, if that was a, a debate this week, <laughs> let this game be a shining example of what spacing does for your team, for crying out loud. Uh, so, yeah. So, real quick, back to my point. 1.015 points per possession for Creighton. 1.014 points per possession for Butler. So, they scored the same efficiency. It really was the difference in possessions there. So just kind of backing that up with the numbers. And then you're absolutely right on the, the spacing thing. And that's something that Nick Fah was really harping on during the, broadcast, during the broadcast and pointing that out, just the difference in not having Marcus out there. And then, so the spacing is huge. And then like we saw down the stretch in overtime, just having that guy um, that you know can create you, you like that matchup no matter who, who's on him with uh, everybody else on Korean. Like that's a, like Denzel got hot. He made some really nice plays, but he's not a great at this point, especially when he's got a guy like uh, Aaron Thompson on him, a great uh, perimeter defender. He's not an advanced ball handle. He's not terribly quick with a, a, a super fast first step or anything like that. Um, he he's not a great ISO scorer. I don't think in this situation, he's a great advantage scorer. And that's a lot of what we saw when he got hot was they were getting him good catch and look threes or getting him swinging the ball around and he's able to attack closeouts versus, all right, everything's stagnant, go make a play. And that's kind of 
they got bogged down again down the stretch, like it's going to be the case a lot of times in close games. And they just weren't able to create good looks out of there. And so that's kind of the other area where losing Marcus really hurt. Yeah, Alex, what did you see? Right. And, like and why... I mean, you guys kind of mentioned it, but it's just a. Uh oh, do we have delay? <laughs> a little bit. Go ahead. Bro. Yeah, it seems like you're a little delayed, uh, Alex. Clean this up. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me just get into it then. Um, but it's 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 that facilitation point, and it's kind of what you guys were talking about 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 spacing, um, where offensively it just seemed like they they bogged down so often because of the way they're playing Sharif defensively, and when you have like Jet Canfield backing up Sharif, and it's like he had a difficult time facilitating as well offensively, and so it was just so many possessions where the spacing was poor or. Um, you know, they just weren't getting the, the ball into the, the right guy's hands. And it, it just happened so often uh, where it was those possessions then, and like you guys said, those possessions were so valuable. And then it, it suddenly, you could see it kind of turn where it's like when you have Jet running the offense, it just didn't work as well. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it, it's you got to have Sigurowski back. And I think it just showed – how important he really is uh, to this team in this particular game um, because of just because of uh, the way that Butler was able to play them defensively. So, yeah, like, but I mean, at the same time, as, as we're talking about the deficiencies that led to this loss or at least led to the poor first half and then the, uh, you know, the slow finish of the game where they kind of bogged down a little bit. That second half was kind of, I mean, that's that show that was kind of like an example of if Creighton did, if they checked all the boxes in terms of what they were maybe planning for in their in their scouting report and their game planning, they could probably turn this game pretty ugly, like even without Marcus. Like you saw, you know, them clean up the defensive glass better, take care of the ball better, and they established tempo, not even just like so much as easy transition opportunities, but they got down the floor quickly with more guys. And that just forces Butler to communicate and match up quicker. Yeah. And, and when that happens, you can create advantages. So like you get down there with three guys, even if Butler's got like, you know, three back and two trailing with your two trailers, like they're still matching up with different people and they're not comfortable like that because there are mismatches on the floor with Butler that you can exploit. Like, you know, if Bryce Golden is closest to Denzel, that's a bucket. If uh, if Bryce Enzi's um, on Mitch, he's probably going to get to the rim because he's expecting to guard Christian, and Mitch is his closest man. That's probably an open three. It's not about just getting the ball down as quickly as possible. It's about getting guys down into their spots. You know, Mitch in the corner, um, Denzel trailing, DJ leading the break, Christian leading the break, getting guys like making Butler match up quickly and communicate quickly and rotate quickly that creates advantages. And that's what, that's why Creighton was able to get going in the second half offensively. And especially Denzel was because they were able to generate quick offense in that secondary break. They got down the floor quick. And even when Butler matched up, they were still mismatched, you know, well, Creighton, Creighton still had advantageous matchups. So all you had to do was make one or two passes, attack a bad closeout kick out for a three, go to the rim. Like, that's how all the easy offense came. It wasn't necessarily just 
transition fast break offense. It was a lot of secondary break actions, but it was because Butler was having a tough time matching up because Creighton was rebounding and running and creating that tempo that forced Butler to match up quicker than they were in the first half. And that, that uh, Denzel layup was the perfect example of what you're talking about, where they, they push it up, swing, swing. Now you've got uh, Golden trying to close out on Denzel. It's a blow by and it's a layup. Um, so that's kind of th- that play just sticks out in my mind. That's exactly what you're talking about of um, getting them in rotations and getting the matchups you want. And so yeah, just kind of putting the numbers to it. Um, so Butler hit a three to start the second half. After that, it was a 33 to 10 Creighton run. And Denzel had 21 of those points himself and assisted on two of the other buckets. So at the end of that run, it was 58 45. So that you're feeling good there. We're on a roll here, but I kind of had even in the back of my mind, kind of like, this is a lot of Denzel. <laughs> um, is he going to be able to keep this up for another however many minutes? And fortunately, he wasn't. After that, the problem was though, it wasn't necessarily just the offense. Defense just kind of fell apart at that point. I think I think it was a 15 to two, yeah, it was a 15 to two run to tie the game, and Butler hit seven out of their next eight shots and had some field, uh, some free throws mixed in there as well. So you're feeling good. You got it rolling. And then suddenly you kind of run out of gas and then start making mistakes on defense and letting guys get to their spots and giving up two easy buckets. Um, and things just completely, uh, the wheels just completely fall off at that point. So you get there and it's tied up um, at 60 all. And it's anybody's game at that point after you made that big push to take control of the game. Got anything to add, Alex? No? I don't know how delayed I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when to jump in. <laughs> I, was trying to, I was trying to feed everybody evenly here. Yeah. No, you guys just take it, and, and when we get to the questions part, I'll, I'll just kind of jump in then. Because right. you guys are doing a fantastic job of just kind of boiling this down. Um, I mean, yeah. It, it, Jacob well, pretty I feel much like, put I feel perfectly. Like, I feel and you like, guys, you know, to Jacob's the point verbiage that you game with, to Jacob's point about the end of the game with Butler, like that's where I just, I mean, I fell in love with the way Thompson just like took over that game. I mean, yep. Not only you, Jacob mentioned the Denzel thing, um, and yeah, Denzel still had he missed some good looks that he probably wants back, and you know, we asked him about it in the post game if he felt like Butler broke his rhythm or if he felt like. He just missed some shots. And, I, you know, I think you could make the argument rewatching it and, you know, understanding what he, where he's coming from, that it wasn't necessarily uh, all Thompson. It was – he missed some looks that he probably knocks down, that he had knocked down earlier in the game. But Aaron Thompson still did a good job of disrupting what was at that point a pretty explosive scoring display by him. I mean, I think he was at like 20 uh, – 26 or 27 points or something like that with, you know, plenty yeah. of time left to break 30. Um, and, and get close to 40 and probably get a new career high. Um, but so Aaron Thompson was not only guarding him, but he was also just, I mean, it was unbelievable how efficient he was when he got into the paint. I mean, he's a, he's a really good playmaker, but I mean, they barely missed when he got in there. Like, so I, I, I just, I rewatched the last 10 minutes, like a couple times because I was kind of blown away by the, difference between when he got the ball in the paint versus when they didn't get the ball in the paint with him at all like so 
he checked in with 9.06 to go, and he didn't check back out again. He played the final 14 minutes or whatever. And Butler was down 53-42 at that point. So they had uh, 22 possessions the rest of the game. The 12 where he didn't get into the paint with the ball, they scored six points, turned it over five times in those 12 possessions. On the 10 oh possession, on the yeah, <laughs> on the 10 possessions where he got the ball into the paint, it doesn't even matter who was guarding him. It was different guys. It was Kalkbrenner, it was Balak, it was Bishop, it was uh, or not Bishop, but it was uh, Mahoney, like different dudes each time. Uh, they scored 20 points on 10 possessions. They scored on nine of the 10 possessions. And he had eight of those points, and he had five assists on those 10 possessions. Think about that. Wow. Eight points and five dimes on 10 possessions. So all nine buckets that they scored, it was either him uh, scoring on like a nifty little finish. Uh, you know, he's really crafty around the rim. Or it was him finding somebody in, a, in an immediate score. It wasn't like it, they weren't cheapy assists. He dropped dimes and they scored immediately. It was on, there were two and, kickouts for Bolden and Enzi for threes. And the other three were on like, here you go, drop off a little dimes in the paint for easy layups and ones like he was surgical. Yeah. And I thought, uh, I thought a couple of times too, Christian got himself caught in no man's land. And there, uh, there was an and one. And then the last yep. bucket, the go ahead bucket late, same thing where the Denzel DJ, whoever it was actually had uh, Thompson uh, contained. It would have been a tough shot that he would have had to go up over the top of a bigger guy. And Christian's coming off, turning his head, kind of ready to leave his feet and try to block the shot, leaving his man open, dump off, layup. That happened twice um, that I remember that sticks out in my mind in particular. So it's got to the point where guys just weren't, I mean, he was demanding so much attention that it kind of, they broke down a little bit defensively. And um, they, they gave up some, some back cuts early on too. Shreve gave that one where he fouled. Um, a DJ, I think, gave up a back cut too, where he's ball watching. Michigan won it. Yeah, so it's um, these. And yep. it's you're good defenders, you're smart players. Like that's the kind of stuff that you, that can't happen in a game like this, where you're down a man, you're down your best player. Um, you, you've got to be able to do the little things well, especially when a guy like Mitch isn't isn't hot. So you got to you know low possession game, um, like it was. You can't give up those those free possessions there you got to make Butler work for it because Butler is making you work for everything on the other end. So that was part of, that was one of the disappointing parts of just seeing how many breakdowns there were, especially for a team that had played well defensively. And you, you look at their, um, their overall numbers and um, they, they <laughs> didn't shoot the ball. Well, they weren't super efficient offensively, but it's just those kind of moments that stick out in key stretches or like, yeah, overall it didn't look good, but it should be, those numbers should be much worse if you didn't give up. The, the amount of kind of cheap shot, uh, cheap possessions or cheap um, opportunities that you did. And a couple of them, again, were in some key moments. Yeah. I was yeah. pretty impressed with just the way that, that Thompson was able to, to like score underneath the basket. I mean, th there were a couple of them that he, that he scored on where he just like stretched around Denzel and like underhand scooped it off the glass. And I was like, okay, this guy is single-handedly keeping him in this game, and there's not a lot that Creighton can do to stop him. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, I mean, Thompson was – he was extremely impressive. And coming from a, a senior guard, you have to expect moments like that. But there are a lot of good role players on Butler that played pretty good and were you – know, I mean, there are no slouches. But at the same time, it's like I've seen Butler play before in the past, and they just didn't execute – 
in those, I mean, like a bad loss to Southern Illinois, and, and they just didn't execute well in those games. And then suddenly in this one, it's like everything uh, that they're, they're, they did worked. Now, granted, this is what this is what Thompson's second game back since he's been injured. I think, I think it's, his it's third. either his. I think it's his third. Okay. Um, I think he came. But back I mean, for, I think it, he came back and helped him beat Georgetown, and then they lost to St. John's, and then they won today. I think that's how. It that's was. right. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm going to take your word on that. But I mean, I mean, you could see Butler without him, and they were terrible. <laughs> and then with him, they're a completely different team. And he showed it today. Yeah, especially like you look at Butler was nine to twenty-one at the rim on layups and dunks in this game, and I think I'm guessing most of the nine makes were either Thompson himself <laughs> or Thompson setting up somebody else. So when other guys tried to create, it did not go well. <laughs> like so, I think uh, was it uh, Bolden or there, there were some like crazy, like really bad shots that guys tried to throw up there around the basket that were defended well it's just for whatever reason they couldn't figure out and it was just because Thompson's got such a unique kind of like pace to him and kind of the way he scores inside the arc it just they were slow to react to all his moves um it seemed like there were a few times where he scored where it looked like they had him contained and then suddenly he's scoring past them and laying it up or uh dumping it off to somebody it's like it just they weren't I don't I don't know if uh you would think at this point like you've seen him four years now like some of these guys like it's not, yeah, he doesn't have a lot of tape from this season, but you know what he is as a player. It just seemed like they weren't quite ready for the pace that he played at and the way kind of he moved and all that. It was kind of weird. Well, that's the part that stands out to me is like, these aren't, this isn't Creighton's first look at Aaron Thompson, but all of his shot fakes and ball fakes and, you know, that, that patience that he plays with in the paint when you think it's, you, you know, you only have three seconds in there and you think it's not a lot of time, but he makes it seem like a lot of time. Um, that's not Creighton's first look at that, but yet they're leaving their feet on the, you know, either on the first shot fake or the second shot fake. And that's plenty of time for him to get up the third uh, or to find leverage to finish. I mean, they've, they've watched enough film of this guy. They've defended him enough in, in a game situation to understand what it feels like. So that's why I'm kind of tipping my hat to him because he was able to fool uh, and get the better of a lot of guys, a lot of veterans who should know better, but yet they didn't, you know? And I think that's a credit to him because he was extremely patient and precise when he got in there. He didn't, he didn't hurry up. He didn't rush um, any of his shots to get blocked. Um, He didn't really even try to draw a whole lot of fouls, which is normally, something you'll live with too. If you can stop him from finishing and foul him, he's not a great free throw shooter. So, you know, you're, 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 you're playing the percentages there and, and actually producing efficient defense for yourself by holding them to one instead of two most times, if you can foul him without letting him make the shot. But yeah, he was, he was incredible. I mean, it, and it, it really started that whole last, like that last 10 minutes, like he couldn't be stopped. Every time he got in there, they got a bucket, they got something easy. Yeah, and you're right. On I did like how Bolden got stuck at the rim <laughs> on a dunk attempt. That was pretty funny. And that was during Creighton's big offensive surge in the second half where Bolden just went up for a dunk and it just went off the back iron and came back. And I was like, yeah, that's nice. I like watching that when it happens because it makes me like I'm usually envious of taller people because I'm like, okay, you can dunk a basketball and I'm not very tall. So it's like 
seeing a very tall person just whiff on that gave me a lot of joy. Oh, for one on dunks for Butler tonight. That was the one. <laughs> let's uh let's tap into questions here because we got quite a bit of them and it's gonna be a chore finding them too. Um, we talk about OT at all. Talk about what? Overtime. Overtime. Gotta break down what how that went. Oh, I mean, I felt like we just did the show with Tim Kruger. <laughs> I felt like we just did. Like that was the game right there. Was Aaron Thompson getting in the paint? Whenever he didn't get in the paint, other than other than the last bucket where, uh, you know, where Harris scored that little fadeaway floater, and that was the only time that someone else besides Thompson got in the lane and they scored. But I mean, well, but Creighton got Creighton got, Creighton got up sixty six sixty two, and uh, I think they forced a turnover on the next possession and didn't capitalize on it. That might have sealed the game, honestly. But I think they they created a turnover up four. Came down and here, you know what? I don't know if we got any Mitch questions about him being needing to be more aggressive and hunting shots, but I'm gonna tell you right now. If you if you guys notice it, I'm gonna tell you right now. He's gonna be pissed off the next couple of days, especially after he watches film, because Creighton was up four, and Butler had just turned it over, and he came off, uh, you know, some, a, a little screen action at the top of the key. And rose up and shot it right away, left it short, and Butler got uh, the rebound and a little run out. And Aaron Thompson had like a little like flip back to um, I think it was Miles Tate, Tate yeah. three that cut it to one. Yep. And if you watch Mitch's body language, he was he like cursed. He's like pissed <laughs> because he knows he rushed a shot uh, trying to seal the game, basically like hit a dagger, and yep. because he missed. And because of the way he missed it, front iron and an easy rebound for Butler, it was an easy run out for them to get like a trailer three to cut it to one. So you're talking about going up seven to now it's down to a one possession game. That's the kind of stuff he sees on film. And that's why you see him like be super patient and, and selective with his shots. So if we got any questions like that, that's my preemptive well, answer right there because he understands that part of the game. You can miss shots and they can be like turnovers. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not always like missed shots like that can be live ball turnovers if you don't have guys back. So that's what and, he, and then see that on film. Kind of on that same mode, uh, I think whether there was the very next possession or maybe uh, two possessions later or whoever were, he caught it on the wing and made the extra. He could have rose up, but he made the extra to Denzel in the corner for a wide open look. And the guy has been hot all game. He's been carry on. Um, Mitch had missed one or whatever, and he just bricked it. Wide open corner three. He didn't make the play. Butler went down. They made a play. DJ gets fouled. Doesn't make the, the shots. Go down the other way. And um, Butler finished the game. So it's down the stretch there. Butler just made plays and Creighton didn't. So as bad as like there were so many things to complain about early in the game, with the officiating, everything. But down the stretch there, Creighton's just got to make their – they had their opportunities and they missed their shots. But you got to look at the overtime box score. One of six from the field. Two or four from the line, didn't make a three, no assists, and three turnovers. They just had nothing going offensively whatsoever in the overtime period. Yep. Yeah, when uh, when when Denzel missed that that three in the corner after Mitch passed it to him, and he, and he bricked it, I think I I went face down on my carpet. 
And I was like, please, sweet God of death, take me now. Because <laughs> I knew, I mean, it was after that moment. I was like, yeah, this one's, it, it's toast. You could, you could feel it. Yeah, you definitely had that feeling there. It's like, oh, we've seen this before. Watching the game with you. Yep. Great. <laughs> um, all right, so here's, I guess, the first question I found. Uh, in a grinded out game like that, you need guys that can create their own shot and get to the hoop. Feels like Antoine Jones needs more opportunities late in the game when Ballot can't help offensively. Thoughts? That was for Jacob. So, yeah. um, Ting, I guess. Ting yeah. for life. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that one. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, he he so, asked you, so you can go first. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I disagree with the premise of absolutely um, right. M- <laughs> Mitch not being able to help, and I get what he's saying, and you could see it at times where um, he wasn't able to create anything. The problem. In this particular situation, it was exacerbated by Marcus being out. So that's one less guy that can actually create. So who is the guy that is creating off the bounce? Like you, um, you didn't really have that guy that you felt reliable. Like um, DJ, maybe um, Denzel again, not a great ball handler that can break down a great defender off the bounce. Um, Sharif is kind of he's still developing offensively like they just didn't really have any great on the ball options so that it kind of Mitch kind of stands out even more I think in that situation that's a guy you know that isn't going to really create so I I can see um, kind of what he was getting at there I just I, I don't agree with it especially maybe and we've seen this at times where Antoine has been playing well um, and Mac has kind of put him in and stretch. I didn't think he wasn't playing. He didn't really have anything going in this game. I don't even remember what the one bucket he did score was. Um, I know he missed one at the rim. There was with some contact. He, he missed an early shot clock three um, and had a couple of turnovers. So it wasn't like he was, he was rebounding well, but outside of that, it was, I don't know that he would have done any better trying to create offense um, down the stretch of this game in place of Mitch or whatever. And um, we've, we've talked about all the, the kind of, uh, the value of uh, his gravity and the decision making and all that and again like Mitch being out there got that got Denzel that wide open corner three the guy that's been the hottest player on the court been shooting well all game I, I think he might have been five of ten or five of nine or something like that at that point got wide open look and he just missed it like that <laughs> Antoine Jones wouldn't have changed that or DJ going over two at the line so um, I, I, Mitch definitely has some limitations, but I don't think um, he's a, a liability late in the game as much as or more than anybody else out there. I don't think that the answer was put Antoine in, in Mitch's place and then that'll fix the offense. Yeah, I just don't know. I don't think he has any limitations offensively other than what, not being able to dunk on dudes? Like, I think he's, yeah. like a, I think he's a master at the offensive end. Because he sees it's, the game, he sees the game like no one else can see it. Like, you want him taking. I know people want him taking fifteen shots, and I do too. It's really cool because he can hit like ten of them, so that's pretty fun. But he understands what, like, his ability to do that does in the first place. Not a lot of guys do, so he's already got that advanced ability to create shots for his team. That's all that matters to him. You know what I mean? And, it doesn't yeah, matter if he, he's taking them or if someone else is. And he did a good job again, other guys, like I think he had three assists early on. Um, I think he finished with four assists, but he does have his limitations off the bounce and um, being able to create when guys chase him off the line at times. Like he's, 
just not he doesn't get a whole doesn't get a lot or make up a lot of ground off the bounce trying to get past guys um but that's i mean like so i think that's kind of what he's looking at like uh he he wasn't hitting his threes and um he he wasn't getting a lot of looks down the stretch either so he missed some of the ones he did and he wasn't getting open so it's like okay what do you do when you catch the ball here um and they didn't the, the ball wasn't popping like it it has it was during a stretch there so kind of the 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 ball mover within the floor with the offense that he's so good at that they weren't really getting much out of that because they weren't creating a lot of good looks just in general just the offense as a whole um so i think it's it's just the fact that you didn't have marcus and a lot of those other guys particularly the way they were playing in this game sometimes we've seen dj be that guy denzel can occasionally be that guy but it just wasn't really rolling in this game. And I think because Mitch was the guy that missed all his threes, it's kind of easy to, to signal him out. It's like, all right, because he isn't a guy that's going to put it on the deck and go to the rim. And I think that's kind of what people want. And like, I think um, kind of what he's getting at here is Mitch isn't, he, he did get a one, that one little um, lefty bucket there after the, the guy fell down, turned and finished there. But, um, he's not a guy that's going to get into the teeth of defense very often unless they've got the space thing and they can get the flip up pass or whatever. Um, he's not going to put his head down and go to the rim. And I think that's kind of what he's getting at there. It's like, if he's not making the threes there uh, and it's not like his presence isn't necessarily down the stretch, creating open looks for other guys. Like, why don't we put someone in there that is more versatile and has a chance to go to the rim? Um, I, I just, I, I get the, I, I get where he's coming from. I just don't think it would have helped in this case. I mean, I understand where they're all coming yeah, and, from too. I just don't know why we're in year four of Mitch and we're still asking these questions. Like, don't we, shouldn't we know better? Shouldn't we? I mean, just shouldn't well, we know, but like, we know what his impact is. Why do you want to be fair? And even if he hits, even if he misses like three or four, do you want to replace him? Because don't you think the next one's going in? Like, what, what are we talking about? Like, what? When you take him off the floor, are you getting better on the offensive end ever? No. That's what I'm saying. Like, what are you? What are we, <laughs> no, what are we but, asking here? And then the, there were there were moments where where basketball Jones just made pretty silly decisions. I thought when he he caught the ball on the lower left block and he passed it to Christian in order to get the dunk, and yet he took an 89 percent shot. I mean, I successful percentage shot. And then he gave it off for like, what, maybe 1% more, 2% more. And it's like those kind of decisions that he made. And I was like, his, his judgment, and he's still, he's still young and he's still kind of getting acclimated to what McDermott wants him to do. But like his decisions, if you want to pull Mitch for basketball Jones, I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, thanks. <laughs> I'd rather not. Yeah, complete agreement. I, I mean, we're going to keep getting questions like this because <laughs> Mitch is kind of like, you know, he's your sharpshooter, and when he doesn't hit shots, people assume that's it. But right. I don't know. To, to, I don't I don't mind the it, questions. I understand. I understand yeah. where they're coming from. I just think, please, before he's done, please, people, try to understand that there's more there than just catching a ball and throwing it through the hoop. Like, it, it's yeah. – I don't know how else to explain it. I don't, I mean, we've tried so many different ways over the years. 
Um, it feels like I'm like, fit, st- yeah. every time I get asked this question, it feels like we're stuck in a time loop. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. I appreciate the question. I understand the frustration, but I, I hope by the time he's done playing basketball that we've figured this out already. And um, so to be fair, he does all that stuff. is still true. And you kind of look at the plus minus, they were minus two in his 43 minutes uh, in a four point loss. So like he was out there most of the time, he wasn't necessarily um, out there for uh, one particular bad stretch um, where he really cost them. That being said, you need more than two points, three assists, and one turnover out of Mitch in 43 minutes. Even with all the extra stuff his presence does, with Marcus not in the game, you need more. He needs to play better than he did today. 0 for 5 for 3. It, that, that just can't happen. I agree. However, you know why else I appreciate Aaron Thompson? was because you also watched the first part of that game before Denzel got on a heater. He was in Mitch's jersey. Now you can That's now true. we can get into the refs now and talk about how much he was holding Mitch and like <laughs> fouling Mitch. But the fact is, Mitch was off offensively today, largely because of what Aaron Thompson was doing. That's who they stuck on him. So if that lets you know how important Mitch Ballack is to the offense, Butler stuck their best perimeter defender on him from the jump. Okay. Yes. Just it wasn't on DJ, it wasn't on Denzel, it was on Mitch. So just to let you know. If you want to take that guy off the floor, that's how much Butler thinks of him. So maybe just like try to see the game differently, please. <laughs> um, next question from Andrew Berkland. Should fans be ready for a cautious approach to Marcus's hamstring and Reef's ankle? Better to take uh, some possible bumps in early June due to their absences and hopefully be 100% healthy in March than risking something that could jeopardize either of them for the entire season. Um, Alex, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, Yes. Please temper your expectations and be patient because hamstring issues are something that linger throughout the entire year. And he can come back uh, on on Wednesday and he can play and it's still going to bother him. He can come back a month from now. He can play. It's still going to bother him. Hamstring issues are something that they're just going to have to deal with, I think, for the rest of the year. And then Sharif's ankle, I didn't hear the, the exact diagnosis of it. Was it a high ankle sprain or was it just a rolled ankle? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I know he rolled it on that play on, against St. John's. I don't know what happened, though. He seemed like. Yeah, I'm, guess, I'm guessing it was just kind of a, the typical rolled ankle thing, um, yeah. high ankle. I don't think he would would have been able to play today if it was more serious like that. I think John Niatawa um, might have tweeted after game that he's uh, not a hundred percent, but was able to kind of gut it out and give him what he had. Um, so he's still kind of on the mend, I guess it's, it's not all the way back, but. Um, I mean, he, he guarded, I mean, play. honestly, uh, Jair Bolden's Butler's top scorer and option offensively. And sure. He only got two points on Sharif all day. I mean, and Sharif was checking in most of the time. So he had two points, one turnover on Sharif. Then he only took seven shots altogether. So, yeah. oh, but yeah, but I mean, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, just with Marcus's hamstring, yeah, with a hamstring injury, if Marcus's hamstring injury is minor, as it's been reported, uh, you definitely want a slow and steady approach with that because once, just, just based on the months left in the season, if you rush him back and you make that worse, it's over like the he will never be uh you know close to 100% the rest of the year whereas if you take that slow and steady approach and make sure you get him right now and put that behind him there's a chance you know 
in February and March that he's a hundred percent because you've put that injury behind him instead of making it a lingering thing. Hamstrings are one of those things. Like once you really do it, it's you, it lingers for a long time. You need a lot of time off for it to heal. So, yeah, I think that's a, it's an alarming injury. Um, but if it's minor and you, uh, you diagnosed it early, you make sure you give him all the time he needs to get to feel right. Um, and then you put him back out there uh, until then. Um, don't rush him because that thing that if it's not right, it can get worse. And with hamstrings, you can also hurt a different part of your body too, trying to overcompensate. So, um, and sounded like he was pretty close today. They let him go through the pregame. Right. And, and you... <laughs> let him go through the pregame routine. Yeah, I know it's it's the delay, but <laughs> God damn it, Alex. <laughs> Yeah, they're gonna take. take, Uh, But I was gonna say, uh, stop talking. I'm gonna mute you. Be quiet. (laughs) I'm going on to the next question. (laughs) You 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 lit that segment on fire. Stop it. (laughs) So Uh, he he was a pregame decision. Went through the the pregame workout. They decided to let him sit. Now he's got a few more days before they get back out on Wednesday. Hopefully, he's in a good place. Gotcha. Um, next question from Bleeds Brew, Bleeds Blue. Hey, April, how's it going? Hope the family's good. Um, I know injury-wise it helped, but did the week off contribute to the poor first half start? Alex, you can go first this time. Uh, yeah, 100% did. I mean, what, why not? <laughs> Jacob, go ahead. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I, yeah, oh, no, I was serious. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and yeah, my buddy Joe kind of at, mentioned the same thing. It just seems like anytime Crane comes off something of a, a layoff, they, they struggle to kind of get things going offensively. And um, I don't, I don't know, really know what that is. I don't know kind of the, the balance between rest and rust and um, all that kind of stuff. Um, how that plays into um Creighton in particular, that maybe that's something that we'd have to ask them to kind of, if, if they notice anything about it. Um, I haven't gone back and looked at exactly kind of what all Creighton's performances are coming off of uh, five, six, seven day breaks or whatever it is. Um, but I, I, I don't know what it is. Um, it's just kind of weird um, the way that they do occasionally will struggle. Um, but part of that today was, was definitely butler and the way they were playing so kind of the coming off the six days off whatever it was right into a team playing as uh physical and as uh, methodical as butler did i think maybe it kind of made it tough for them to get things established the way they wanted to um it took them a while to really work that uh into that as we've covered um they did do it for a stretch but um yeah i don't i don't really have an answer about how much the the layoff impacts them it's kind of a layered it's it the question is layered in a lot of unknowns because they were playing so well against seton hall and st john's that you really didn't want to break that rhythm right but you also had you know marcus agarowski with the lingering hamstring injury so you needed time for him to get right i think i mentioned like maybe during the game in hindsight knowing that marcus didn't play today the week off probably did hurt that rhythm a little bit that they got into. Um, 
Now the, the flip side of that is does Sharif play if this game's on a Wednesday, right? Like, so who knows? Cause he didn't, he didn't practice Tuesday. Yeah. We know that. So would he have been ready to go on a Wednesday if that's like a midweek game, you know? Yeah. Um, that's It's tough because I felt like today was definitely a byproduct of having time off that broke that unbelievable rhythm we saw last week. I mean, they were, I mean, they were Gonzaga good offensively against Seton Hall and St. John's. I mean, I've only seen one other team be that good offensively um, this season. Uh, So to me, the natural conclusion is that the time off um, disrupted the rhythm. However, I also have to be honest and be like, well, if this game's on a Wednesday, they definitely don't have Marcus back for sure. And maybe not even Sharif. So would it have mattered? Like, you know, would you have, would you have had these same struggles in this matchup offensively because of what you were dealing with from a matchup standpoint, regardless. So, you know, Sharif at least gave you somebody who could defend Jair Bolden and shut him down and, and at least give you a chance to win that game. Cause like whether Creighton didn't play very well offensively or not compared to the last week they had, they still should have won this game. And I think one of the reasons they should have won this game exactly. was because of the way Sharif defended Jair Bolden. Like he held him to half of his scoring average he only took seven shots, two turnovers. I don't even know what he had for an assist number, but it just felt like he wasn't much of a factor offensively. And I think that was due in large part to Sharif's defense. So if this game is on a Wednesday, you don't even get that. And what does this game look like? You know? So I don't know. I felt like they still had a chance to, they still should have won this game regardless of that first half rhythm being disrupted by what we can theorize as the time off playing into it. Uh, Brian wants to know, can Creighton? Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I, I love just, that we're starting to get these questions. Can I, Creighton get a two seed or is a three seed a, a good hope at this point? I haven't been thinking about seeds yet. Have you guys been thinking about seeds yet? No, because no. everybody keeps losing. That's like everybody we think is good goes and lose. Like Michigan got off to a great start, got undefeated today. through, got, yeah, got killed. So every time, I think some I saw someone else put this every time we want to put somebody in the Gonzaga uh, Baylor tier, they go out and get themselves embarrassed. So um, it it really is those two at the top. And then everybody else is Kansas lost, Texas lost, Creighton lost, um, Michigan lost. Like that's the next like five, six, seven teams. And honestly, like Baylor's had a few grinders. Like I don't think anyone's in Gonzaga's class at this point. Like Baylor's had to squeak through a couple teams that, I don't think should be in their class, which makes me real, which makes me think there might not be anyone in that top tier other than Gonzaga. Like it might just be Gonzaga and then a bunch of really good teams below them. Yeah, I definitely put Baylor above everybody else, Um, but maybe they aren't quite at Gonzaga level, but yeah, I think it's it's still, it's clearly those two ahead of everybody else. And then everybody else is liable to drop a game at any given time. So at this point, there's still so much to be sorted out with the 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 games remaining and with so many teams uh, dropping games, and we still don't know exactly how the NCAA tournament is going to be seeded and selected and all that kind of stuff. We don't know how different it will be. Um, so it's definitely too early to I, I think to get too worked up about what this means for Creighton's potential postseason um future but at the same time it is really disappointing it, it 
kind of kind of goes back to the same feeling as I had after the Marquette game, where um, it's it's just disappointing. Like you don't with, without with Creighton not really landing any signature wins in the non-conference, like losing that Kansas game and not really having anything else. You kind of felt like, all right, so we got to make up for this by just running rampant through the Big East and then hopefully splitting with Villanova. And then you have just kind of the sheer number of wins um, and conference dominance. That was going to be Creighton's biggest argument. So now you got a loss to obviously without Marcus, but coming off of the heels of doing what they did against St. John's without Marcus and then losing this game. It's, it's just a really disappointing about what it kind of means and about just kind of where Creighton's ceiling could be um, or where we thought they were going to be at this point. So now you've already lost one that you didn't expect to lose. So now you really got to be on, uh, on point the rest of the season. If you do want to be in those top two, three seed range. Yeah, and the rest of the season is extraordinarily difficult because they don't have more than, what, four days off in between games until February 13th. So, I mean, that's they go it's right cute, back to that that's solid month at, straight of just playing. Of like that. <laughs> that's the other thing, too. Well, no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, but I'm That might I'm be the saying, most optimistic uh, thing I've ever heard you say. I mean, look at it. <laughs> But they really don't have any substantial time built into the schedule right now. I mean, granted, you're going to get pauses, and hopefully Georgetown goes on pause. They miss both of those games because no one wants to watch Georgetown play basketball. And so, I mean, so you look at it, it's like, okay, you know, they, they got to grind through the rest of this, yeah. this conference slate. And, I mean, I, I can't wait for the uh, – the game against Butler in Omaha. That's going to be a, a lot of fun. They <laughs> kick the ever-loving shit out of them. <laughs> I guess, like, just to the question itself, I just don't know. Maybe this is a stupid question on on my end, but like, do seeds matter this year? Like, if everyone's going to play in Indianapolis, no. are you going to like? Are you are you? Is there some kind of advantage to being stuck in region blah 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 this year? Like. It, you know, well, last year, like, matchup, like last year, like last year is like okay, if Creighton gets sent to St. If it's two seed, they go to St. Louis, and that's obviously a huge advantage, right? Because you're going to get an unbelievable home crowd. But this year, what are you talking about? You're talking about matchups, right? Okay, so who does Creighton? Oh, dude, who, who does Creighton the, no, not Matt, match you, up you well with? Like, hold on, what if they get sent back to fucking Hinkle? <laughs> well, that's the thing. They're that for some reason NCAA is like, yeah, we're gonna play NCAA tournament games at Hinkle Fieldhouse. So a lot of teams are getting Hinkle, unfortunately. What a stupid name, right? I mean Hinkle. Who wants to play at Hinkle? I don't even think it's it's not the name, it's just like God, that place is not like why do you want to play basketball there? It there's you know, nostalgia goes a long way, but you were shot there. Yeah, I mean, great, but the place it's got a leaky roof, like I mean the sight lines are awful. Like, what are we, t- I mean, do you want, that's not your, a gym for your premier event for crying out loud. Totally forgot about the leaky room. They, they, Dude, they had like, remember the, it does let <laughs> in a lot of natural game light. were they playing? What game were they playing in Villanova that one time? And they had to like literally hang buckets from the ceiling to stop it from leaking. Like they had like, it was unreal. I think it was Marquette. 
Was it Marquette? I it, I bet you no. It was it was Marquette and Villanova. It was two games. Yeah, yeah. It was two different games. There you go. Yeah. It literally had some dude like on the catwalk, like hanging a like a mop bucket, like from the pole, from like from the overhang to like underneath the leak. Like it was the most MacGyver looking thing I've ever seen. And it's like, okay, that place probably needs to be torn down, maybe. But so, yeah, but back to the point, I, it, it matters less than it has, but it still matters in terms of like Creighton trying to get to a sweet 16. Like once you get to the sweet 16, it doesn't matter. Everybody's good. Mm-hmm. But like being a two versus being a four for that second round, I think that is significant difference there just in terms of the seating line to who you're going to end up playing. Um, yeah, obviously the matchups play into that, but you can't really, that, that's luck of the draw. So the, I think you just want to put yourself in the best possibility or the kind of the best position that you can heading into it because the, the easier teams you get early on, the easier it is to get, uh, to get through. We know how, how much Crane has struggled to get past that second, that second, uh, um, past that second game. So um, I, I think like if you can be a two playing a whatever, I, the math is escaping me at this point who they end up playing in the second round, but versus being a four playing whoever you're going to play. Well, um, I mean, they, they, the two plays the seven ten. So I'm just asking, like, you're playing bubble teams. So who in that seven ten range? I don't even know who it is yet. Like, I, that's what I mean. We're so far removed from yeah. bubble talk that I'm like, who are we even talking about matching up with in a seven ten game versus if you're dropping to the three line and facing a 6-11? Like, you know, an 11 seed is probably what? Uh, a mid-major? somewhere like a mid-major at large right like so you're probably facing yeah. a really good team that doesn't have a lot of resume boosters but they've got a lot of wins or you're facing a six seed who's probably a middle of the pack power conference team that can i mean like what's the what, what's the difference in the matchup between 710 versus 611 i don't know like what i don't get the difference right now so if you're all yeah, going to we... if you're all going to indianapolis i feel like you're going to face, face the same four bunch of teams if you're in the two to three range anyway I agree with Jacob See, we, that the four or five game in the second round is maybe tougher, but if you're in that two, three line, like I don't think there's much of a difference this year, but we'll I just see. wish I there was a local bracketologist. I just wish there was a local bracketologist we could call in and ask him about this, but <laughs> uh, damn. Um, Carlos O'Kelly's connoisseur. Have you guys been to Carlos O'Kelly's in a minute? <laughs> Not since I was a kid. There. Yeah, me either. I didn't even know the place was still around. Um, do you feel Creighton has to sweep Nova to win the Big East now? Lost to two lesser teams with still Providence, Seton Hall, UConn, Nova twice. Seems like Nova's reduced schedule. Um, they pretty much have to win both. I don't. Uh, that is interesting because Nova's like Nova's going to have to play like a gauntlet of games <laughs> to get their, what, their 18 or 20 in. So they're probably not playing a full schedule this year. So, yeah, you it's it's about percentages. But at the same time, if Villanova plays less games and you beat them once, I mean, that might be – if you beat them once and then they drop a game to someone else, that might be enough for a percentage difference, right, if Creighton's playing more games with two losses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think the math is – it's kind of hard to figure out because we don't know uh, how many games Villanova is going to play. We're asking but, such hard questions but, tonight. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but there's a very strong chance that that, that is what they're going to have to do now. 
um, because Villanova is good. We'll see how good they can be once they come back off of not playing for a month. But they're a very talented basketball team. And uh, with Creighton dropping games to Marquette and Butler at this point, two of the lower level teams in the conference. Like, that's not great. That's, that means they're going to – they can't allow a slip-up to a Xavier or, um, or whoever, uh, another uh, – to Seton Hall. Like, right now you have to sweep through DePaul. those games. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not sure that DePaul is going to play more than, like, five games this whole season. So um, They just played their first well, so, today. So they, they, should, they should do day – They played Valparaiso. They should, they, they should do right day-night double right now. Day night double headers, nice. Day night double headers, DePaul Villanova until they get caught up. Oh my God. Number of games wise, Paul's <laughs> gonna lose it anyway. You might as well. <laughs> why? Yeah, this, why not? Why are we playing in a pandemic? Good lord. Um, but so yes, it's making it. They're making it difficult, more difficult on themselves. So it's a very realistic chance that that is what Crane's gonna have to do now. You're gonna have to go out there and beat both those games because you're taking a little bit out of your control um, by losing these extra games to teams that aren't Nova. So if you split with them and you drop these two, and then you still, you have another bad game at some point, you lose to a Seton Hall or a UConn or whatever it is, suddenly that's to to four losses. And it's going to be tough. And again, unless this really impacts Nova, it's hard to see them getting to that point. Again, we'll see what the what the kind of percentages end up being to where they would need to uh, to pass Creighton in that regard in terms of losing percentage. But um, the fact that you've already lost these other two games, a split might not be enough um, because Nova because that wouldn't give you the heads up on them that you'd have the split there. You beat them twice. Now that's that counts. Those wins count as double. You've got kind of the head to head, and that's two extra losses you've given to them. So Crane could be backing itself into a, a spot where that is what they need to do, but it's too early to say for sure, because we have no idea what Villanova's schedule is going to look like. So I just ran and then you have to look at it like, oh, hold on. I, it, yeah. <laughs> I know it's your podcast, but I'm going to tell you to hold on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I support it. <laughs> uh, I mean, they won a share of the regular season last year. They don't need to win it again this year. They just need to win the Big East tournament. So, I mean, they can drop every single Big East game from here on out. It doesn't really matter as long as they win the tournament. <laughs> they shouldn't even have a Big East tournament this year. That's <clears throat> Yeah. Um, so that was – It's good luck. You, sh- you shut me up for a horrible take, by the way. <laughs> Um, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) I just ran through our last two questions. We didn't get a single question about the officiating. Can you believe that? We just, I mean, I got a lot of angry comments, but I didn't get a lot of questions. Um, yeah, I'm shocked. So I'm going to ask this one second to last because it's going to make me throw my phone through a wall. Um, this is from jskerfan02 at handle me tweets. Like people (laughs) are afraid to use your real names, man. Um, Is there something wrong with Mitch? He had two or three looks that are usually home before you even know he's open. He was hesitant all game and didn't shoot. We address um, this. Let's I want. Move on. I want to freaking scream right now. Let's, like, we address this. Let's move on. Don't don't get yourself fired up. You answered this question. Uh, part of it is Aaron Thompson. Part of it is an off game. He's okay. Uh, Jacob, um, he'll be Jacob, fine next game. Jacob, I answer this question every game for the last three freaking years. <laughs> I, I, if he I'm doesn't drop, if he doesn't drop twenty, I get this question after every game. I swear to God. 
I'm aware because I've answered the question every single time I've been on the podcast. <laughs> right, well, there so you I'm go. Assuming. That's how you know. You know <laughs> yes, it's not a coincidence that you've been asked that every single time you've been on. It's because it gets asked every single game. Um, no offense, but God dang, people. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, Alex. I think it's a great question. Yeah, yours is <laughs> – we're going we're gonna to end it on this one, and then if you guys want to yell about the rest, we'll let you do that. Uh, Brian wants to know, should Creighton have a live Blue Jay on the sidelines for home games? So we know Butler has an ugly live mascot. I mean, they keep – they've had uh, multiple ugly live mascots. They keep, like, refiltering these things. <laughs> they have, like, a breeding ground for these hideous creatures that they put on the sidelines. And for some reason, most of the world thinks they're cute. I don't know what – I don't get it. But, yeah, so Butler's got the live mascot that bites people and pukes all over every court it goes to. Should Creighton should Creighton have a live Blue Jay dropping uh, dropping bird deuces all over the place? Well, see, the problem is um, there's no such thing as a live Blue Jay um, as as far as being one word the way Creighton spells it. The the bird itself is actually two words. It's an entirely separate thing. It's like uh, it would be like, oh, should Seattle have a Seahawk as its live mascot? It doesn't really exist. <laughs> so. <laughs> Okay, so yeah. because because Jacob answered that question in bad faith, let me answer it properly. Uh, they shouldn't have just one live blue jay. They should have thousands and just let them live in the rafters. And I, I mean, th- then it becomes a, a you know a between uh, possessions game where like the guys with the mops have to go out there and like clean up the bird shit that's on the floor. And like, there's a constant threat as a fan. So like everyone brings like ponchos. And so you can do a lot of fun things with the ponchos. You could you know, do stripes and uh, you can make the, the crowd look really interesting because no one wants to get bird shit on them. I mean, there might be some weird fans that do want that. And then they're very welcome. And this is the, the proper venue for them to be at. Um, but I mean, past that, I think 17, 18,000 live birds and then you have to take into account that there's probably going to be about 40 to 50 that are going to die per game. So then you have to have cleanup crews for that. So it's going to, it's going to get really messy. Also, they really like peanuts. I found that out recently. Um, and so whoever gets, you know, whoever buys a bag of peanuts and they shell them, they're going to have to be on the lookout. Also, Blue Jays are bully birds. So they're very aggressive and very mean. So if there's a mama bird protecting her nest and you're just having, you have to be sitting in that section you're probably going to have a really bad time. So to answer Brian's question, yes, but not one thousands. See, Jacob answered it in bad faith. You're right. You answered that like two on the nose. I'm going to go. I, I thought about this question and I think I'm, I'm actually disappointed in your response based on what my, what my thought process is. Have you guys ever seen the fly? No. Old Jeff global movie where he mixes his, <laughs> Where he mixes his DNA with a with an insect, and he becomes like a. I I think that Creighton should have a live blue jay at their. At their oh, no. However, not just like an actual little like birdie. How we should splice the DNA of like a giant human being, like just find the biggest six foot three, two hundred and fifty pound like hoss you can find, and splice his DNA with a blue jay, and just like has this oversized like mangled looking deformed bird. Because I'm telling you right now, if everyone thinks the freaking bulldog is cute, they'll think this thing's cute too, okay? It's just oversized. But 
these bulldogs are like ugly little mutts. All right. They've been like, this is like a breeding ground gone wrong. And they keep filtering these little puppies in there for 10, 20 years. And they're like, aren't they so cute and adorable? And they're like, no, but you think so, huh? Okay, fine. Let's, let's take it up a level and let's go Jeff Goldblum the fly. And we'll mix a giant like offensive lineman, a former offensive lineman with a blue Jay. And we'll just get this big ass looking Frankenstein monster out there at every game. And we'll, we'll ride with that live blue Jay at every game that way. That's my answer to that. Backtracking to see, you could do a really good. Yeah. Go ahead. (laughs) Backtracking to Alex's take. My biggest worry is a like Randy Johnson situation with like Mitch shooting a logo three where a bird would swing through, uh, like just fly by as Mitch is letting go a bomb and just like murder the thing midair. Cause not only that, you're killing a bird in front of little kids. You're also knocking his shot offline. Like the the more Mitch uh, bombs, the better. So we, we can't be afford, we can't afford to have, birds knocking his shot out of the air yeah alex your reaction to my disagree uh, completely i think i think that's (laughs) uh my reaction to your idea actually is you could do a really good local spot like a local commercial where matt verzal acts like he goes back to like clean his his pizza oven and that's where he gets spliced with the now we're talking the blue jay yes i think that yeah, and I mean, you can make this a whole media campaign, and so then you get Versal the Blue Jay on the sidelines, just like a mutant drooling, you know, can't speak, yes. just looks like he's in constant pain. Yeah, no, I, Matt, <laughs> you're right. Like, the idea was way better. <laughs> I mean, I, I started to imagine yours, like, okay, that the logistics of a thousand Blue Jays. Now, my idea is probably more expensive and might need some government approval. That will probably be, like, you have to go through some black market channels to get the science right on that one uh, to make it happen. But I still think in the long run, just because I get this, you get this question a lot because all they see the bulldog and you know, that's kind of stuff. And I'm like, I've always felt that Butler's bulldog is ugly. So I'm just like, all right, well, if Creighton has to come up with a live mascot, why can't theirs be ugly too? So I'm like, all right, well, if a, how do you make a blue Jay ugly? Oh, well, what about the fly? Like let's, let's, let's splice it with a human and they just have this like hideous looking creature taking pictures with kids and stuff. And, you know, you'll have like these horrified Easter bunny shots where the kids are like crying and screaming and running away. And like, it'll just be a memory for life. Like, I think that would be, I, it's, I think it's at least worth experimenting on, like to just try it out, see how the kids react. Um, then when the lawsuits start pouring in and, you know, all the religious rights groups come in and start talking about like the, you know, the evil you're doing to the human genome system, like we'll, we'll back off a little bit, but I think you should be a super aggressive with this, with the science behind this at first. I, I don't really have anything else to add to that. So are we going to touch on the officiating or is that a podcast? Yeah. If you guys want to rant about the officiating, that was some, that was like the worst officiating. I mean, all season easily. Right. Cause it was a poorly officiated game. Like before the shit storm at the end. Right. We both, we all well, agree. So my biggest issue, like, mm-hmm. it was an imbalanced game from start to finish. And then on top of that, there was a bad, uh, a bad, I, no call, call whatever, in the clutch against that same team that the game was kind of shifted against the entire time. So, like, it was just hard to swallow but from start to finish there, just the way that game was officiated. And I already talked about kind of, the physicality allowed and the difference between what Creighton was getting called for versus what they were getting 
uh, what the, Butler was being allowed to do. Um, you had the, the, the Sharif uh, loose ball foul where the trail ref came flying in there to call the, the foul late when Sharif was the first one to the ball. The other guy knocked it out of him. Dude, and then not one but two officials got that call wrong. The first one just called it straight out of bounds, okay? Yeah. And the second one runs in, you're like, okay, here comes the correction because that was an awful call. And then he calls the foul, and you're like, yes, on Sharif, what? <laughs> so, like, the first ref got it wrong. The second ref got it, like, way wrong. And it's like, hold up a minute. <laughs> can, we get the, can we get a voice of reason in here? Because did anybody else watch that play happen? So that happened, and then the 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 Denzel uh, flagrant where, I mean, it's one Aaron Thompson had already been whistled for a flop warning. Two, he it's a normal jostling for rebound. He like Denzel is a very strong human being. There was no forcible throw down motion there. He kind of got his arm up there as he's kind of clearing them out as they're tangled up for a rebound. Thompson goes flying, and so they call a fla- like at most. That's like he didn't hit him in the face. It's in the chest or whatever. He goes drops like he got shot. Like maybe you call a, a foul on the rebound, like just a normal foul. The fact that that's a flagrant, they go back and make that a flagrant on top. Like after this guy's already been whistled for flopping, like you know, like that's what he's doing in this game. Like that was frustrating too. Like it just Denzel kind of put himself in a bad spot, but just the ruling of like the overall, uh, the way that they ruled that play, it was just really frustrating on top of the Shreve and kind of just the constant, the way the, the rebounding was officiated throughout. So it was, la- that it was then, laughable yeah. that they called that a flagrant considering. Oh boy. Lamar Jackson just got housed. <laughs> oh, oh my God. They're taking us a hundred oh, yards. Oh my Lord. <laughs> that was 101 yard. INT return for a TD. Yikes. Oh, straight. I looked up and yeah, straight. I looked up and saw, yeah, I saw Buffalo scoring. I did not realize that Baltimore had the ball at the third. Oh, no, no, no. That, yeah, that was like like a touchdown (laughs) pass the other direction, supposed to be. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. Here, you can watch it right here while I talk about the the flagrant foul. (laughs) Like, um, like, honestly, if you're talking about what are you reacting to? Like, you're reacting to Aaron Thompson, right? Because the move that Denzel did wasn't anything that Butler hadn't been doing the prior whatever the hell many minutes, 30-plus minutes before that. Like, you're t- are you kidding me with all the stuff that's been going on with, with offensive rebounds and paint play and all that kind of stuff that Aaron Thompson just, like, deciding to break his back on the backcourt, like, because he thinks he can take advantage of Denzel shoving him. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, Creighton gets shoved like that every game. If they wanted to be idiots about it and throw their bodies all over like morons, uh, yeah, they could draw. They could get everybody ejected from the game if they wanted to. For crying out loud, that's that's insane. That wasn't a harmful play. That wasn't a malicious play. To award free throws in the ball for that in a close game is like, it's just like officiating malpractice. Like, what are you talking about? What are you looking at? And you review that stuff. Yeah, you go back and look at that. Like, where what in your brain says, oh yeah. That's a, that's a flagrant foul. You know, he's trying – you know, he clearly wasn't making a basketball play and he was trying to hurt him, all that kind of stuff. Like, what, what goes through your mind there? Like, that's awful. And then – so you go back and review that and then you still screw it up on your review. And then you uh, you have the end of the game situation where you, you know coming out of that you've got a short shot clock because Butler called a timeout 
what, 13 seconds into their possession? Yeah. So you know coming out of that you're dealing with a short shot clock and Butler's going to try to run this thing down to, you know, as much as they can off the clock. There was a six-second difference between game and shot clock at that point, somewhere around there. They come in, and you've got two refs staring – you got all three refs staring right at it. Like the shot clock is – has to be on your mind in that situation because there's a difference. There's a gap there. And they go in, and Christian clearly swats that thing. It doesn't even come close to the rim. The shot clock goes off when the ball's still in the air. Like, Will Murth or whatever his name is doesn't even have it yet. So he catches it, and the clock has gone off, and there's 6.6 seconds left. you got to whistle that thing dead and give Creighton the ball. That's a last possession. So you let Butler run around like, you know, scrambled around for the ball, get a shot off, and then at the end of the game, you're just like, well, we're going to overtime. 6.6 seconds? That's an eternity for a last shot. That's that's almost the exact amount. I think Providence scored to tie it with 7.6 seconds left in the game where Creighton beat him on the buzzer beaten dunk or whatever. 6.6 seconds is plenty of time for Creighton to get a good look off, get all the way to the rim. Like you can't just, you can't just, you can't just gloss over that. That needs to be addressed. The the issue is, so what they called was the first shot hit the rim. None of them. How were there? You had three guys out there. How was there not one single guy out there that was in position to see that wasn't even close to the rib. It got spiked off the backboard. I don't understand like mm-hmm. how that play was allowed to continue because yeah, like we're all focused on, Oh yeah. He, the ball's clearly in his hand with zero shot clock going off or whatever. Um, but I guess their issue was they, it was the, play, the the initial shot that they screwed up on. So if it hits the rim, everything after that's fine. And so they thought it hit the rim. So they let them keep playing. And I, I guess once you keep playing like that, you can't go back and um, review that it didn't hit the rim on that first one. I if I, I don't I wonder if he had so made we can that review, we can review horse crap flagrant calls that yeah you know in a close in a one yeah. possession game, but we can't review that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. I wonder like if if he had made the putback, could they have gone back and look? Because then the game <laughs> that's stopped. what I'm think you about that. And, think about if he sticks that easy bunny and they win. That's still he got that shot off way at, like he got that shot off three seconds after the shot clock. What if they won that way? And yes, exactly. And so on top, it's not like um, the official signal and they restarted the clock. The clock kept going and they played through. So it wasn't like um, Butler kept playing because the officials triggered, hey, start the clock over again or whatever. Like they kept playing through the the shot clock going off. uh, So like, I don't know. Yeah, that that whole – I just don't understand how, like, where were you standing to say, oh, that hit the rim? Like, no. I don't know how that was their read on that play. So, again, there's, it's there's no vantage. The only, only vantage point that you can argue you would have seen it, maybe you, you would think it went off the rim, was the guy that's on the baseline because he can't see yes. through the backboard. The other two guys can clearly see that it didn't touch the rim. Yeah. Especially so the one, one of the. The Mike, Mike Roberts, where Mike Roberts was standing at half court, you can yeah. clearly tell if that thing got to the rim or if it got slapped off the backboard. And you know what's funny yeah. about Mike Roberts? You're going to laugh about this. You know what game he officiated? What game? Creighton Marquette in 2018-2019. The Sam Hauser buzzer beater that wasn't it? You, yeah, no, I, you don't need to. I know what you're talking about. Yep. I was there. Yeah, he's the he's the guy standing right behind Hauser who said he got he's the guy who was closest to Sam on that shot. Yep. That's, that's that. Yeah, guy. so that's and that's I a fucking idiot. <laughs> I I understand like 
the officials at different spots have different responsibilities on any given play, and not all three of them are going to have their eyes on that one particular part of the play. But how is there not one guy in there that can realize what happened there and blow the whistle and do what they're supposed to? Like, it just, I don't, what do you it have it's not close. If you're not going to make that call, what are you on the floor for? Yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? What are you on the floor for? Because that's a, that, you're talking about the difference between, between Butler, let's say Butler dunks that ball or makes that easy bunny. They win that game on that play with a shot that should not have counted anyway. And then you're just going to wash it. So you're not even, not only are you not going to give Creighton a possession, but you gave Butler two cracks at winning it after the fact. That's all. That is a horrible screw up. And the fact that they said they went back and looked at the second shot, the offensive rebound shot, and told the broadcast crew and Bond, those guys, that they looked at that shot and it hit the rim, but they didn't go back and look at the one before it. That was, I mean, duh, that is shot. That hit the, like that, that sh- the shot they put up after that was the shot clock was already off at that point. It wouldn't have mattered. So why'd you review that one? What the hell were you even reviewing that one for? Yeah, I don't, so I don't know what, like, it seemed like Nick was kind of confused about what they told him because they had to right. get the quick explanation and then go right on with the game because um, whatever. So, like, That's what I, mean. I don't even That's know. That's what, what I mean. If you're, if, you're, if you're confused and your feedback on what you reviewed is confusing, you need to respond. Like, the biggie should respond to that on Monday. Like, yeah, either, either admit that there was a screw up there, like do the last two minutes report or whatever you got to do, but you have to acknowledge that that happened. Right? Am I wrong about that? Like, do you just you can't just gloss over that and move on, can you? I, I don't know. It's just frustrating. And then while we're running through all of it, the the rebound, the way the rebounding was called in general was bad. <laughs> but the one on Ryan where he gets his arm grabbed twice and somehow the foul is on him in the first half, like I. You add all those together, how many, like, every game, like, Crane's going to get a few that go their way or whatever, that 50-50, whatever, questionable. It's, like, we can pick out. But the fact that we've got so many examples clearly in our minds of just blatantly awful officiating, that that kind of paints a picture of how this game went. Like, we can we can keep going, too. Like, there, there are more out there that we haven't even touched on yet. They're like, how is that what you saw on that play? Yeah, I'm just getting so, really. I'm. I don't. I don't like to be a yeah. rush guy, but I'm getting really tired of like the what the growing issues here we have every game. It's like yeah. they're starting to compile, and as I take notes about every single game, it's becoming an issue in my mind. And I'm like, okay, I don't like to complain about the officiating, but good lord, the sample size is getting pretty large at this point. So yep. I don't know. And so, 100% Creighton needs to play better, and they still could have won this game even with the officiating. They make two or three more plays. But two or three calls that should have went the other way do, and there's a chance that as poorly as Creighton played, they still win the game regardless. Like you change a few of those plays there, here and there, and Creighton still wins without playing any better. So that's where the frustrating part is. Yes, Creighton should have played better. That's the part they can control. But also, if this game was officiated even close to correctly, as poorly as they played, they still probably win the game. We, so, deli- we deliberately dissected the controllables yeah. for 90% of this podcast before we even mentioned yeah. officiating. So um, I don't think there's any doubt in, in our minds that not in our minds, but also the people that listen to this podcast that yes, we acknowledged all the reasons that Butler won and Creighton lost before we even touched officiating. However, 
there's also this cloud that's kind of hanging over the season right now that has been the poor officiated in college basketball. Um, and if you want to be frustrated about, you know, your seed lines, you're talking about the difference in these calls that are affecting these games. Creighton's lost. They lost to Kansas by one, Marquette by five, and now Butler by four in overtime. Those are their three losses. So if you think calls don't affect that kind of stuff, it does. Now you can talk about controllables and I like to focus on that stuff, but also, like I said, when you have a growing sample of these types of issues where the, you know, you're inconsistent or you're blatantly wrong, or it's just, you're not calling it this way for one team and you're calling it this way for another. I mean, it's hard to ignore it for that long a time. So I'm getting to the point where it's harder for me to ignore it. Today was horrible. Flat out. It was really bad. It was the worst it's been in a long, long time. That's what I mean. It keeps yeah. getting worse. Look, like, I, every, time, every time I think I've seen the worst yeah. game, one, another one happens. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's like the, the point I made where, so when there are big calls in, or bad calls in big moments, like, yeah, sometimes they screw up. That's, that's hard to understand. That's hard to take as a fan, but that's going to happen. They're not going to get a hundred percent of their calls. Right. But when, like you were talking about, like I said, when it's allowed consistently called the same way throughout the game differently for the two sides, the two teams, then you add up those, those screwed up calls and big moments on top of that. That's where you get kind of the level of frustration that we have in this game, where it wasn't just a few bad calls. It was a few bad calls most of which went against Creighton on top of the game itself being officiated completely in Butler's favor. Yep. I know. And, and look, I'm as big of a ref complainer as anyone yep. will be. I love to bitch about the refs. I love to bitch about terrible calls, but it was like today, it was just so overwhelming and it was really difficult to find any peace in like a good call because typically you can balance out like like 10 really shitty calls the refs make, which they make every single game. But And then like there's one where you're like, okay, thank God. They finally called Mitch on, you know, drawing that charge foul that was clearly a block, you know, but thank God they finally called it. Um, but today it was, it was embarrassing and it's been embarrassing all year. And I don't know what these refs are going through. Like I, I'm really interested to hear about like after the season – like what their travel itinerary is, like how do they get from place to place? If they're seeing their families at all, like it might be stressful. It might be a really shitty time for them. And I'd hate to look at it like a human being because I like to dehumanize the refs as much as possible. But like, what are they really going through? Because today was brutal and I hated it and I hated every moment of it and they should feel bad and they should get yelled at by someone who's old and white and has power over them and their paychecks because that's what they deserve at this point. That sounds yeah. fair. And I do feel like we're at a point where it's a really hard job and it's a lot easier calling some of these calls on TV versus being in the heat of the moment. Like, heck, I've, I've officiated a, like a third grade game before and the difference in being out there with the whistle on the court versus sitting at the table and watching the game, like even that like is, is stark and you, there's just so much thing things going through your head. So it's a difficult job, but there's got to be at some point they have to reevaluate whether it's the way they're teaching, uh, whether it's the rule book itself, whether it's kind of how often officials are evaluated. Like the process has to get better to produce better officiating. Mm-hmm. It just has to. And I know uh, some other people, like I know Sam Bassini on his podcast 
I think has talked about this uh, multiple times, just how bad it has been in college basketball this season. And that, that that's, they got to find a way to improve that. It yeah. can't continue to be where we're talking like this after every single game where it made that much of a difference. Or when we're trying to dance around it, like it didn't matter. You know what I mean? When it did, yeah. like, you know, it's like, you don't want to sound like a whiner, but it's like, and I, and I totally, I can yes, relate I to that too. I like, <laughs> I've umpired baseball games before. Those things are extremely stressful. So, but, but at the same time, it, you know, you can argue, I guess you can argue judgment calls and all that. I understand that, that there's like some debate there. Like, so I don't want to harp on that too much, but when you're down into like a game changing moment and it hinges on you just making the right decision and you don't, and you have an opportunity to look it over and you still make the wrong decision. I don't, I don't know how to defend that as like a human error or, and I don't know how to sympathize that as someone who's like, Oh, well, you know, they're traveling around the country in a pandemic and they're stressed out and whatnot. I don't know how to sympathize with that because those aren't judgment calls. Those are like rule book. Like you, you can clearly get those things right and you get them wrong. Like why? That's something else there. That's like an ego thing where you're like, I don't want to reverse my own call or there's too much of a mess in the situation right now, or I don't want to piss off the home crowd if we make this thing, if we give Creighton the ball back with six seconds left and they go and win it. Make the right call, period. I don't care what the situation is. If it's that obvious, you got to make the right decision. That's what Robot refs now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get robot umps first, then robot refs. Then we'll work about the how to fix it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's our podcast. I don't got yeah, anything I think else. We're you good. anything else you want to yell about? No, nah, I think we're solid. I think okay. We covered plenty. And I'm we still have, on a delay. So. <laughs> yeah, we have massive delays, zombie Blue Jays, uh, Bulldog haters, uh, and Red they're, zo- they're not zombie. We got it all. Are they zombie Blue Jays? I don't think uh, Not zombie. Blue. So, poor word. Uh, yeah. It's just, mutant. Mutant. Yeah. That's mutant, what I'm thinking. Ber- Burr's all the Blue Jay. Yeah. It's mutant, <laughs> yeah. mutant Blue Jays is what we're talking about. Yeah, so yeah. there's got a little out. The bean is still alive. Like it's still got a functioning thought thought process. Like a you know, it's self. It's aware of what's going on. Just but, it, yeah, right. But it's just constantly feeling pain. Yeah, it's in constant pain. It has communication issues, so it can't relay that pain to you. So it, like it's just it's kind of like terror coming from them, like horror coming from them, and terror being translated because you can't really understand it. So that's what we're dealing with here. Go back and watch. If anyone doesn't understand, go back and watch the fly, and you'll understand. Like you'll get the gist of what I'm trying to paint here, of what what I, this what this mascot Blue Jay should look like. You know what I mean? I, I regret it's a, saying it's a horror like movie. That. It's not a it's yeah. not like a Disney Channel movie, although Disney Channel is pretty horrific if you break it down too. So. Um, I regret saying anything. We got the train all the way back to the station and then <laughs> took it right back off the rails. <laughs> this is why I love having these group podcasts because Jacob's job and he knows it coming in is to keep the thing as close to the tracks as possible because he knows from our group chats what what can happen if it doesn't. And uh, I just love when he loses control of it. <laughs> so anyway, that's our podcast. Uh Hopefully we were able to provide some entertainment for you after a, a tough day of watching the Jays take an L. Um, in the meantime, you know, white and blue review.com uh, for the post game coverage. You'll have this podcast on iTunes um, as soon as possible. Uh, anything you guys want to plug Jacob, anything coming on Hale varsity, Alex, 
anything coming up on any internet entity you find yourself at? Uh, I mean, just kind of standard Husker coverage. Uh, if the basketball team ever returns, uh, I'll write about them again. If not, it's volleyball season. So um, that's cool. That's starting on Friday. And then also starts on Friday. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. I know. What? January 22nd, we're going to play volleyball for the first time. I know. But, how, about, how about Creighton scheduling Marquette for non-com matches? Isn't that, that's a hell of an idea. Yeah, that's great work by them. Well, I'm glad yes. they get to play non-conference because if they didn't, that they would have been in some oh. big uh, – Big Ten teams don't have to worry about that. They're fine. They're RPI. Yeah. Of, they're, yeah, they'll be good. Big East, eh, not so much. <laughs> the, so. Big Ten, the Big Ten will make up the top ten in the RPI based on their like schedule alone, <laughs> their conference schedule alone. Yeah, Creighton and Marquette should just play each other ten times for half the, the, the conference, and then they play everybody else once a piece and call yeah. it good. I'm in favor but, uh, of Creighton playing like ten matches against Marquette and ten matches against whoever else they pick. Like that'd be that'd be ideal. Yeah. So, <laughs> it'd be so that, also be good volleyball too. You know, it's it's a benefit for everybody. Yeah. So that plus I'm still kind of going on with the high school basketball coverage. So you can check all that at hailbarcity.com. Alex, any gems to coming up from you? Yeah, just yeah. Uh, follow me on Twitter and uh, just send me DMs. Um, you know, just strike up conversations. What do your um, DMs look like? Yeah, I mean, if, if you if you want, uh, people who want to talk, <laughs> mostly mostly uh, very beautiful Russian women who have lots of numbers and they're at <laughs> yeah the eight digit handle the eight, the eight digit uh, yeah yeah, yeah they, I, uh, I they all all of them really want my social security <laughs> number so I just give it out I figured. I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? Um, the only, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's where I'm at. Yeah. The only people who slide into my DMs that don't want to talk about sports or politics are uh, like European bots with the eight digits. They just, but they just want to sell me sunglasses, like Ray Bans and stuff. It's really weird. <laughs> it's just have you bought some yet? Yeah, they're like it's like twenty four dollars Ray Bans if you click this link or something. That's usually I get I get most of that that's that's usually oh, yeah. what it's about you click the link every single time every time well you i mean I, you I, have to click the link you have to yeah. see what it's rude they, not to i mean if they're 24 dollars, that's decently priced like and if they look good yeah. you know that's good down for that my honestly my bait card's expiring soon anyway so i yeah. might as well just you know give them that number so i can get a new one <laughs> that, that wells fargo just hit me up they're like we sent you a new one so i might as well get crazy with this old one real quick so yeah who knows <sighs> Well, I mean, as long as it's got sixteen digits, it should be fine. Yeah, they'll yeah. they'll they'll still take it. Yeah, yeah, no, we're good. And if and if I get the sunglasses, good good deal, right? Whatever they buy with my card is on them. Winner, so, winner. Yeah, right. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Um, when's Creighton's next game? Wednesday, I think. Wednesday, eight o'clock. Yeah, I don't know who will be on the podcast with me then. It might be these guys. It might be somebody else, but it won't um, be me. It won't be Jacob. Jacob just said he unless Nebraska's, uh, yeah, unless Nebraska's pause is extended. If if they're still out on Wednesday, then maybe I can. But oh, are they supposed to come back now? Uh, well, they haven't told us yet, but that would be their next game. So we haven't heard yet if it's that that that's postponed. So that's the, they're, they're such a transparent university. Um, <laughs> anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Have a good weekend.